probably talk about this more later. It's kind of interesting. It uh, just came up in a conversation. The Sacramento Bee, which is a newspaper for the capital of the biggest state in the country, uh, California, has announced they're no longer going to put mugshots in the newspaper because they're afraid it makes people jump to conclusions about who commits crimes or uh, might perpetuate stereotypes. A variety of things. But so they're no longer going to have mugshots in the newspaper, which is interesting. Yeah, I'd say. Is that a trend across the nation or not? I don't know. We'll look into that more later. Excuse me. I was just oh, afflicted got... by a terrible thirst, so I took a sip of water. We got this text. Jack, you've sounded rather chipper the last few days. Keep up the momentum! <laughs> Very nice. Excellent reset. <laughs> there is now officially an inferior race, according to, uh, among others, the city of, Sac- of, of Seattle, rather, city of Seattle and a number of other authorities, college campuses, etc., uh, in uh, Christopher Rufo, who tweeted about this and wrote a piece for City Journal, um, points out that uh, what we're about to talk about has all of the um, the earmarks of cult programming, persuading members they are defective in some predefined manner, exploiting their emotional vulnerabilities, and isolating them from previous relationships. Uh, this this segment is mostly for those good, well-meaning Americans. Who think, well, I'm not a racist, and I think racism is awful, so I better get on board with this anti-racism stuff. Here is what this is. It is absolutely an insidious, indefensible Marxist philosophy designed to seize power. And to the extent that there's a shred of truth in any of it, I would suggest it's like saying, you know, Hitler built the Autobahn, and that was good, or... Well, in those Chinese concentration camps, they are learning job skills. I mean, it's just, it's evil, evil, evil. Christopher Rufo, who is a writer, was tweeting about this. The city of Seattle held a training session for white employees called, and I quote, interrupting internalized racial superiority and whiteness. So I did a public records request to find out exactly what this means. Let's go through it together in this thread. First, diversity trainers informed white participants that several qualities and ideas are vestiges of internalized racial oppression. For instance, perfectionism, individualism, is internalized racial superiority. Thinking that the individual is the key element of society or individual rights, that's internalized racial superiority. Uh, silence, intellectualization. How would, how would you react if you got called into a meeting and uh, you're told it's a mandatory meeting? You go in there, you sit down, and they start with that sort of stuff. I, I would walk out. I would walk out. And I'm not saying it's because I'm such a brave uh, and, and noble crusader after truth. I can't sit there and listen to the racism. I won't. I just I don't have it in me. It's an interesting thing to say to a group of people. Right. Yeah. So individualism, perfectionism, uh, our uh, internalized racial superiority. Sometimes both sides of the coin are oppression. Are white employees speaking too much? That's probably the internalized racial superiority of imposition or paternalism. Are white employees speaking too little? That's oppression, too, because silence is violence. So get that right, and this gets back to what James Lindsay has been writing about so eloquently. The idea is that you can't possibly win or be right. The idea is that you are on your knees begging for forgiveness. 
Moving along, what's next? The City of Seattle diversity trainers encourage white employees to, quote, practice self-talk that affirms their complicity in racism and work on undoing your own whiteness. Can I just get my reports done on time and go home at the end of the day? Absolutely not. Racism is not our fault, but we are responsible. Ah, uh, ba ba All right, so that's that's uh, you have to engage in self-talk that uh, undoes your whiteness. Let me click over here. Um, cultivating networks of other white people who are practicing anti-racist accomplicehood. God, the number of bizarro social class terms that these people throw around is unintentionally hilarious. So you can talk through your struggles in the work of undoing your own whiteness. And showing up as allies and accomplices. If can you imagine if you changed whiteness to blackness, or well, Mexicanness, so, or Asianness? Well, so making assumptions about people based on their skin color is the definition of uh, racism. Correct. So, um, but but do they believe that it's something like genetic, or do uh, you just learn it from such an early age, or is it is it in my DNA as I come out of the womb? Or am I just taught it from the very beginning? I think they'd argue the latter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, What happens after the thought exercise? It's time to do the work, writes Rufo. The trainers ask white employees to let go of... uh, These are your whiteness aspects, I guess. Let go of comfort. Whatever that means. Let go of guaranteed physical safety. Let go of control over the land, social status. Let go of fitting in all the time. Be willing to be rejected by other white people. Uh, let go of accepting jobs and promotions when we are not qualified. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, see, and, oh, that's something. You know, and, and we'll get back to this, but I, I want to point out, wanna, and maybe this is useful to you, too. The whole idea of white privilege is so stupid and bass-ackwards in that, it is unquestionably easier in some ways for white people to manage their way through American society, in a lot of cases, than, uh, than, than black people. There's less to deal with, in, in, particularly in some places. You know, if it comes to getting into a university, you're better off being a minority. There are exceptions to what I'm saying. But the idea that you want to take away constitutional rights and comfort and safety from white people is insane. In, uh, obviously, the the other approach is no. You have to think. Okay, listen. All right, uh, I I live in a, a pretty safe neighborhood, which is good. People who don't live in safe neighborhoods, they should be able to. So let's give privilege and rights to everyone, as opposed to try to bludgeon people out of. Well, as they said, you have to let go of safety. And when they go, then they go through a flowchart that outlines how white people quote cause harm to people of color show up small and inauthentic inauthentic, and are unable to access their humanity. In some cases, people are wondering if they're really white, so they pass out a data sheet called Assimilation into Whiteness. Are you of Arab, Jewish, Finnish, German, Italian, Armenian, Irish descent? You're definitely white. No getting out of that. And then, uh, as uh, they reported, the invitation for this training was strictly segregated to white city employees. The goal is to teach them how they have complicity in the system of white supremacy and must be held accountable to black, indigenous, and people of color. I can't believe you can even call a meeting, or ever should call a meeting, based on race. 
ever have a meeting where you say we want all the blank people to show up right now. Right. That seems crazy. So how do you know when you've successfully interrupted your whiteness? That's a phrase. When you implicate yourself in racism, when other white people may be angry, when you have stopped your white normative behavior, whatever that means, do they have an explanation of that? Uh, Not having definitions is part of the game. Right. Right. Uh, No, okay, yeah, so you just have to follow along and get on your knees and beg for forgiveness. So far, the city of Seattle has refused to provide the names of the diversity trainers, the budget for the program, or the video of the sessions. Uh, Christopher Rufo says, I'm going to keep pushing because this is exactly the kind of thought policing they want to implement everywhere. Uh, this sort of uh, this new cultural revolution is being fought via corporate HR, city diversity training, and public school curriculums. When you find something like this in your community, expose it, criticize it, mock it, and reject it. That's going to be one of the interesting things. If school gets up and running, how much of this is in public schools around the country? A lot. Yeah. Go to your school board meeting, folks. I know you're busy. I know you don't have time. I know you don't want to. But your kids are going to be indoctrinated into the most sick, twisted philosophies. And again, this is being promulgated by Marxists. They just want you on your knees. It's it's like a cult. They convince you of your flaws and that you have to reform, and only they can tell you when you're reformed, and you just keep begging and begging and begging, and while you're on your knees, they seize power. Has nothing to do with race. It's the, it's a, a pretext. It's a it's a it's a uh, it's a head fake. God, reject this stuff. We need to talk a little bit about schools opening or not, and what that's going to look like, and where they are and where they aren't. Uh, they closed them back down in Hong Kong after reopening because the vid is growing. We also have information on how much you all drank during the lockdown in various states. What people have been ordering to eat because so many people have been ordering out. And a whole bunch of other news of the day. We did get a text. Somebody, uh, our first Biden flag spottings. Oh. Two Biden flags in my neighborhood in Reno. I say picks or it didn't happen. But our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Is there a Biden bumper sticker in America? Is there one? Get a picture of it on a car. I haven't seen one. <laughs> you know, there probably are a couple, but I don't know. It's like white buffaloes or, or talking dogs. I, I mean, I it's, will it's incredibly see, rare. I guarantee you I will see a Bernie bumper sticker this weekend just running around. Today you'll see one. I will not see a Biden bumper sticker. That seems weird. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Millennials these days. Here's Dana Carvey on that. Millennials are just so fast with their fingers, and they can call a duty and Skype and text, but you're completely crippled when it comes to basic things, because your parents are always right there, and they're the experts. Typical millennial kid will go, uh, mom, uh, we don't have any heat in our apartment. And the mom goes, well, you should probably call your landlord, millennial kid. Uh, I'm not real good at calling landlords. 
Could you do it? <laughs> and we do. We do call the landlord because we don't want them to be sad. <laughs> you know, I appreciate him bringing the blame home where it belongs. Sure. I, I got to be vague about this. I'm not talking about you people. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking about you. I have been pulled into an interaction, a, a, a circle, if you will, with a true helicopter parent. Hmm. And it is heading toward an uncomfortable place. Well, I, I, my, uh, my youngsters have uh, been brought up to manage their own S and have done quite nicely. But now, again, I got to be careful. Uh, now I'm suddenly getting contacted all the time about stuff that, why am I being told this? They're fine. They'll figure it out. Let them figure it out. Whatever. Oh, yeah, we've, it's going to be bad. We've taken lots of emails and uh, texts and stuff like this from uh, parents who contact college professors about, right. like, they know when their kid's paper is due and then remind them and stuff like that. Just, call just, their just kid weird. every morning in, in college. Are you up for class? My parents would have never known when I had a test coming up or uh, right, Mom, why my paper was due or, or I, certainly calling the landlord because I got some sort of problem. But anyway. I, I would find that profoundly insulting. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's changing times. Yeah, I'd say. For the better or worse. Um, uh, <laughs> so worse. A, worse. A, yeah. a, a, a Hispanic... Politician in Oregon got this horrifying uh, text, email, whatever it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll make sure you never win and your family suffers along with all the other effing Mexicans in the area. Racist, anti-gay, signed by someone called America. Well, anyway, he sent it to himself. It was of one of those. He did. So there you go. Yeah. And you know what's even better? Uh, he's uh, consented to do an interview about why he did that. And this is this oh, is oh boy. Good this luck is with so that. good. He was asked why he wrote the letter. I could say many reasons, and of course, everybody's opinions could be different, but I have no excuse for it. But can I just express how I was feeling and what's been going on through my mind? And I'm not asking that that justifies what I did. I've just been having hard times since February. Are you proud of your vote? Whoever voted for him. Wait, there's more. (laughs) It cannot be. Oh, while Lopez admitted the letter came from a painful place, he doesn't think his letter stunt discredits future racist actions. It cannot be used as something to discredit any other possible form or way or act of racial issues. Reason being is law enforcement, their job is to secure and protect everyone. And if you're thinking, wait a minute, i got to pay more attention. I, this isn't making any sense. Yeah, no, did you're, I, did you're I doing, black out during the middle of that sentence somewhere? You're, you're doing fine. Okay. It goes on. If they start thinking because of one bad apple, in this case, one bad situation, the rest are bad, then they are not going to do their job properly or correct. And, you know, that's not what they are here for. Wow. I feel like we should stop discussing bad apples without finishing the idiom of they spoil the bunch. You're right. That's it's not a bad apple stays by itself and doesn't impact anything else. <laughs> That's not the saying. That's not the old saying. Yeah, so, a bad apple is rare and causes no harm to overall the, no. the barrel in general. Congratulations, Umatilla County of Oregon for electing this <laughs> leading intellect. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's you know, a... I have another good fake racism story, too. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I don't want to go the whole hog on this so stuff. So in terms of uh, your major American university 
Oh, I said, uh, University of California, Davis. Racist cyber attack email sent to thousands of UC Davis email accounts. Uh, yeah, it, it includes a racial slur, a reference to lynching, etc. Surely that's an activist who sent that out. It just has all the earmarks yeah. of that. Um, so, uh, Trump did an interview with Hannity last night. He said he's recently aced a cognitive test and challenged Joe Biden to take the same test. So that'd be exciting <laughs> if we end up in a place where we have two old guys taking cognitive tests. And, uh, you know, maybe Pat Sajak is there and I don't know, there's oh. a big wheel and a countdown or something. I like the sound of that. Huh. It'd be very exciting to follow. Uh, we ought to get into this more later. This conversation happening nationwide as the leaders of the L.A. Teachers Union, that's the second biggest school district in America, will call for campuses to remain closed when the school year begins on August 18th. Is that going to become the trend nationwide? Do public schools stay in closed despite recommendations from practically everyone? Mental health professionals, physical health professionals, everybody at every level. Sure, pediatricians are practically unanimous. Have to get the kids back in school. It's so important. Biggest teachers union in Florida is saying, no way, we're not going back. Oh, boy. Well, and there's more to say on that. Yeah. Because private schools will go back if they're permitted to. And I'll bet they won't be. Oof. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I haven't gotten to which, uh, how much did you drink during a shutdown so far? They have the numbers and uh, what did everybody eat? So maybe I'll get to that. Why would I need you to tell me how much I drank? On average, uh, the average adult spent 172 hours drunk during the lockdown. The average adult needs to try harder. (laughs) Are you content with being average? Are you? You're no friend of mine. (laughs) Uh, Varies a lot by states. states. For instance, Michigan, 93. Minnesota, 272. Why? I don't know. Um, Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, speaking of Minnesota, there are really interesting things happening in the Twin Cities in terms of policing and race relations and the rest, but nobody wants to talk about it anymore. The, uh, The Enlightenment is not going to survive the Internet. The Enlightenment, Jack. What do you mean? Reason, science, etc. F- throwing a little freedom as you go further down that road, right? Um, uh, none of that's going to survive the internet. I've got an example of that coming up in just a little bit. Excellent. And a lot of the smartest people in America that I like listening to their podcasts are also very concerned. I would say it's under threat. Heck, yeah. reason and, and the Enlightenment and the rest of it, human rights. Uh, there's a quick vid update for you. If you're new to the show, we're not trying to pitch one point of view or the other. We're just trying to figure out what's going on with the COVID-19. U.S. and Canadian researchers now think uh, silent transmission or asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic transmission, um, estim- they are estimating about 50% of infections are attributed to people not exhibiting symptoms. Now, it's based on a mathematical model. Uh, so it's so, going to be imprecise. But. So say that again. Oh, dumb it down. You're, here. you're one of those people. You got it, but you never know it. You don't. You do. You got nothing. Right. You feel fine. Uh-huh. You and and people who have it and are about to feel bad, but don't yet are responsible for about 50 percent of infections. 
So, so that's interesting. We were at the uh, doctor yesterday. My son had to give a urine sample because he's got some weird pains. We're trying to figure out. Um, but before we could go in, the whole family was there. Me, wife, two kids. All of us had to get the 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 the, the laser temperature on our head before we're even allowed to walk in the building. Right. But half the people spreading it got no symptoms whatsoever. Correct. I mean, there's no point to not eliminate those people that have a clear fever. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not doing you know it's not doing as much good as you might think. If Diff- half of the people spreading it have no, no nothing. Right. A different study published in June in the journal Nature found that one Italian town in which the majority of residents were tested for COVID-19 while under a 14-day quarantine, approximately 40% of the positive testing individuals had no symptoms. And they point out the findings could have real-world implications for leaders deciding how to rein in the outbreaks in their respective countries and regions. Widespread testing, isolating infected people, and ordering a community lockdown Stop the Italian outbreak in its tracks, the authors of the Nature study concluded. Even if all symptomatic cases are isolated, a vast outbreak may nonetheless unfold. Other than being um, uh, you know, concerned about spreading it to other people, it's a good thing if I get it and don't, don't get any symptoms, right? Correct. I'm now immune. Abs- probably. probably. Yeah, we hope. And there's so much, and it's so frustrating, so much of the coverage acts as if Shutting down completely is an option, or, or something close to complete shutdown is an option. And the other option is uh, is letting people die of this thing, and that's just tragic and wrong and stupid and Republican or whatever. Uh, I would submit to you, and the entire history of the world, I think, stands with me, including the 1968 flu pandemic. Uh, the Hong Kong flu, was it? Or is that what they called it at the time? I can't remember. Mm. Too many diseases. Um I am beginning to believe, and this asymptomatic spread thing it's, is more evidence on my side, the best we can conceivably do with this thing is manage it and try to minimize it. But we must allow the economy to function. We must allow people to work. We, we don't have the choice to shut it down. It will be disastrous. The health outcomes, and I'm not even talking about just like purely economic outcomes. The health outcomes will be an unmitigated disaster if we stay substantially shut down. And there is, I think, the, I think the divide is between those of us who are realists and can confront really unpleasant realities and people who just can't, and they think there's a road we can travel where everything's going to be okay. Things aren't okay now. What are you talking about? I know. I think we have a miserable, incredibly unfortunate communist Chinese bat fever that's hurting some people, killing a, a, a troubling number, although it is vastly very, very old people, and that there's nothing we can really do except manage it. And we have to admit that and quit with the and, and you're going to hear it 30 times today. If you'll take in media, you're going to hear we're opening up even as the cases are on the rise and three more people died. There is no reality where three people are not going to die. That option doesn't exist. 
And if they don't die of the vid, they're going to die of suicide and alcoholism and not getting their cancer treated or 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 child abuse or a hundred other horrifying things. Or now they're divorced or now they're what poor or whatever. Or, right. Yeah, my God. And, and it, it goes it, it, it bears repeating. If you reduce people to poverty, their health outcomes tank. So. The media is it's so packed, and we know this because we're in the business, so packed with a certain personality type. And these people, and some of them are very nice people, they cannot... But very stupid. They cannot deal with unfortunate reality. They're desperate to find that, that the unicorn path where everything's okay. We got this text. I don't know if this is exactly true because it's just a text, but this sort of thing is going on. Where I live, this is from Reno, Nevada, where we are on the air. Hello, Reno. I like Reno. Shout out, Reno. Yep. Buddy of mine lived in Sparks, but it's basically Reno. Two Reno's men. Reno's the beautiful city, Jack. It's uh, it's a, a, a junior Las Vegas, if you haven't been there. Casinos, nightlife, fun times, that sort of thing. Went on a golf trip with some fellas. A couple of guys were intent on going to the strip club. And I thought, well, you know, I, I, didn't, I don't live in Reno, so I thought... Yeah, and I was we were on TV at that point. I thought it's probably not a good look for me to be going to strip clubs and getting drunk and the rest of it. But I figured, ah, what the heck, I'll go in. And so we went in, we sit down, and the stripper gets off the stage and then comes to work the crowd and says, hey, you're the guy from TV. I thought, okay, <laughs> great. Super. But you see, the thing with Vegas is, which is fabulous, but you know, you can drive like hours each direction, you're still in the desert. Reno, you drive like 15 minutes, you're in gorgeous mountains. Yes, right yes. Uh, but anyway... Um, this was not uh, the the point of me bringing this up. Was not to like try to help Reno real estate or turned out to be a nice gal, by the way. The stripper we chatted, <laughs> working her way through college a bit. Yeah, well, a poor kid couldn't afford a shirt. It was a sad story. Two men in their nineties and three women between seventy and one hundred died, and now the bars are closed in Reno. They said, I don't know if that's exactly true, but that sort of thing is happening. All across the country. The county where I live is about to shut down again based on the rise in cases. There have been 11 deaths since the beginning of the thing, and nine of them were, I think, six to seven weeks ago or or earlier. So two people have passed away, God rest their souls, and we're going to now put 50,000 people out of work. And a big article in The Atlantic today, what we've been talking about, what a lot of smart people are talking about. Cases are rising, deaths are flattening or down. What's going on there? And 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 admitting that it, it's you know a conundrum means you're in the smart crowd to me because so much of the, the reporting is just you know focuses on the rising cases, right? And, and it's become admit, so there's politicized. A, there's a real conundrum going on. Yeah, you know, um, I'm checking. I heard specifically that the uh, the deaths per day was on the rise in Cal Unicornia. I just I've been um, looking at the nationwide numbers just because. Um, well, I think the bigger sample you have, the better, the closer you get to what's accurate. But they are slightly up. We'll, we'll certainly have a better idea come Monday, Tuesday, if that's you know just a wobble or the trend line that some people have been saying. You know, the cases are way up. Lag time, two weeks. We're going to see the dead spike. Maybe next week's the week. I don't know. Yeah, we'll know more then. Well, a, an increase in deaths from the the very bottom in California appeared to be about sixty per day. It's a it's a state of thirty five million people. It was down to 60. It appears to now be at about 72. So statistically, that is a significant rise. But, you know, at the risk of repeating myself, 
my argument is there is no road where we have no deaths or a number that we're all happy with. And the road that gets it low, the lowest, is a road to even greater death and economic despair. We have to be grown-ups and understand we're in a bad spot and deal with it. My God, but this is a bad spot. You heard me. This is a tight spot. You heard me. Well, and then we haven't even gotten to the school thing yet. Are we actually going to keep schools shut again starting this next year? It's certainly looking to go in that direction. Well, this is think... all wrong. I should be back in school. I didn't think there was a chance that would happen. And now people are talking about it very seriously, including the biggest school districts in the country. Right. The teachers unions are coming out and saying, no, no way. We're not sending our people back. And I, I get they have legitimate concerns about the teachers, but we have to find a way to get the kids back in school. This is what I'm talking about. There is no perfect solution. There are a couple, two, three unfortunate choices and we need to choose the one that gets the kids back in school i thought and i will tell you this my friends and there are a hundred reasons why you ought to get your kid into a private school right now because the the curriculum being taught in public schools has become absolutely perverse and horrifying if you sat in class you'd be horrified what your kids are being taught and i understand how expensive and difficult it is what i'm saying I'm, i'm not insensitive to that but The teachers' unions will exert enough pressure at your state house that private schools aren't allowed to start up, even if the teachers are desperate to get back in the classrooms and happy to do it. Um, I thought when the um, what is that political group that gets so much attention? The Ameri- it's called the American Pediatrics Association. It's a, the, the, uh, yeah, it's something like that. Usually, it's, when they speak, you know, people really listen, and they're they're a lefty group, so they mm-hmm. usually you know have the media on their side and everything like right. that. But I thought when they came out last week and said kids have to be in school, this isn't even a question; it's just a matter of how we do it. Right, but they have to be. I thought that would end the argument, but it hasn't. <laughs> Crickets yeah. from the media. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't fit the narrative. Quiet down over there, I know, uh, pediatricians. I know my soon-to-be fifth grader, and I would guess some of his friends will actually cry if they're told we're not going to school. Yeah. You're not going back to school. You're yeah. staying at home. Oh, well, and the pediatricians and everybody knows it's causing terrible problems to our nation's kids. We need more grown-ups in charge. We really do. I would have never cried if you told me I was staying home. I would have been pleased every moment of it. But uh, I was a different sort of kid. Yeah, different world. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The world of uh, I hop on my bike right after breakfast. My mom says be home for dinner. Well, that that part of it is part of it is also it's not just you're not in school. The park, the pool, everything else is also closed. Right, all summer camps. Little League, everything, nothing, none of that's happening either. Half of the parents are paranoiacs who won't let their kids play yeah, with other kids. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Um, will will society survive the Internet? Uh, another example of how it's probably unlikely. <laughs> if I can find the plug, I'm yanking it out. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. So he has opportunities here. He has chances. Uh, the, the, the sheer leftward drift of this party and, and, the, and the outright leftism of this agenda 
would seem to present opportunities if the Trump campaign and Trump himself can capitalize on them. It remains to be seen if he can or will and, would, you know, and can stop talking about himself long enough to, to talk about something else and talk about their agenda <laughs> and his message. Brit Hume on Fox. I thought that was pretty good. There's plenty of things to capitalize on if you stop talking about all this other crap. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, That's funny. You know, Trump is our quarterback, and, and every third play just heaves the ball into the stands, <laughs> and you can't figure out why. By the way, I don't know if you heard that music when you were coming back, that jazz music. I think that's John Coltrane, but um, there's a, a Netflix movie I've been making my way through. It's really long. A uh, documentary about Miles Davis called Birth of the Cool. Huh. Really like it. If you like that sort of thing, it's I'll fantastic. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, On it's, Netflix, it's, you said? It, yeah. It's it's cool. Um, hmm. 65% of Americans think the coronavirus is getting worse. How would they not think that? As the media tells them that every single day. Uh but what I wanted to talk about is I, I have some concern that, uh, not just me, a lot of really smart people are concerned that this this uh, involuntary experiment, as Sam Harris put it, that we're being put through with social media and the Internet, uh, not sure we're going to survive it as a species. It, we just not may not be able to adapt. If it were an experiment, it would probably be shut down for being unethical. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Or too dangerous. Right just too dangerous yeah look at the skyrocketing teen suicide rate yeah and we've got more on that later too about uh uh, uh, conversations that occur in social media versus the real world and stuff really fascinating stuff but uh, i don't know how much you know about what q anon is and all that sort of thing and um, Uh, just one more word on the internet thing the the one article we came across which was really so good included the term sea lioning (laughs) And I have no idea what sea lioning is. So I'm looking forward to finding out. Uh, perhaps you can stay tuned. As an online, like, tactic? Uh, catfishing, I know. Right. Sea lioning, no idea. So there are a few candidates out there that actually uh, call themselves QAnon candidates. I mean, that's their backing. That that look like they're going to get elected to Congress. I mean, it's big mm-hmm. enough in some areas. that. Uh, and so what is that? Well, let me read you from the dispatch. They got a good breakdown here that was informative to me. And they, they start with the, the, the rumor, rumor, I don't even know what you call it, conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton was running a child sex ring out of a pizza place. Right. Remember that whole thing? Horrific. Which most of us, Idiotic. the first time you hear that, you just hear the phrase and you just roll your eyes. You don't even, it's not like, oh, I better look into this. No, and I didn't look into it. Of course it's crap. Yeah, I don't need to look into it. That's not what everybody, how everybody reacts. That conspiracy theory didn't totally die. It lingered in dark corners of the Internet. And in 2017, an anonymous user named Q, self-dubbed for his alleged Q-level security clearance in the government, took the reins of the conspiracy and began posting claims that Clinton would be arrested, adding other allegedly classified intel about her on a public message board called 4chan. That's how this all got started. Mesmerized by Q's cryptic clues, which were baseless rumors, Anonymous users began obsessively tracking his posts, and the QAnon movement took hold. And there have been more and more and more conspiracies that come out of that whole thing, and there's a certain crowd that just eats it up. Yeah, we uh, we have a couple of listeners who tried to get us sucked into that, and I thought, okay, that's an interesting claim. I'm going to print it. I'm going to put it right here on the desk. I'm going to wait and see if anything comes of it. The answer was always no. QAnon support is rare. A Pew Research poll from March 2020 found that only 3% of Americans knew a lot about the theory. Only 3%. 
while 76% knew nothing at all about it. And I would have been in that category not long ago. Practically the nothing at all category. But those who do support it are very deeply invested, that 3%. Mm-hmm. And there are candidates around the country that it looks like there's enough. If you if you uh, make it clear in a variety of ways, and there's various phrases and terms you can use to make it clear you know you're on board with that, it can be enough of a percent to push you over the top and uh, and get you elected. Well, if you can get anybody to show up at the polls, anybody, you can win a local election or a congressional election, uh-huh. really. Uh, and so, yeah, they have a loyal constituency. Are they sea lioning us? Well, yeah, we should get into that coming up next hour because it all kind of fits into this, this, the, just this idea of can we survive the internet? Can we survive social media? Right. Can we survive a very invested minority uh, on on different sides? I mean, there's not even two sides. There's like eight different sides of of a politics, but they're very invested and very passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the long and short of it is that it's like, you know, if if I were to go to England with my assumptions as an American, I could function pretty well. If I went to communist China, not so much. Everything's different. And online communication is so wildly different from real life communication. Scientists and, you know, thinkers are figuring this out that we're just not equipped and it's 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 doing damage. And we came across something yesterday. Sean did that uh, helps explain that a lot. And I know it's opened my eyes to a lot of why the conversations go so wrong in social media. Stay tuned for that. Armstrong and Getty.